your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is always free and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. On this episode of the Locked on Jets podcast, we're going to be taking a look at Winnipeg versus Toronto, which was a major game between these two teams. You know, the Jets are trailing Toronto just a little bit in the standings for first place. Winnipeg was basically just a couple of points behind. And quite honestly, the Jets actually need to work to get into that first place spot, um, partly because, you know, if they don't and they sit in second place, it's very likely that they're going to face the Edmonton Oilers. In fact, it's pretty much guaranteed. This was probably one of the last chances the Jets were going to have to take a couple of standing points away from the Leafs um, in a head-to-head matchup, which, you know, I, I, I would say it's probably like a nice to have at this point in, you know, getting into first place, but not something that I was expecting. But I would love it for the Jets to not have to play the Oilers in round one, because I feel like if they do, which it seems like it's going to happen, I think Winnipeg's going to have a lot of trouble. You know, Dave Tippett has a, a strategy for how to nullify a lot of what Winnipeg does off the rush. And thus far, the Jets have yet to find a really effective counter beyond, you know, hopefully scoring a number of goals early on poor goaltending and defensive uh, markings and stuff, which, you know, if that's what you're relying on, it it does occasionally work. But the rest of the situation is once Edmonton gets a lead, even just by one goal, they basically shut down the Jets' rushes. Tonight's opponent in in, uh, Toronto is actually a team that I think Winnipeg matches up better against somehow, which is a really funny thought. They were the team that was definitely most favored in this division. I still think, you know, Toronto is probably the best North team out there. But the Jets have actually legitimately pushed them, and in tonight's game, I was kind of hoping that they would do the same. The first period, though, not exactly a a confidence-instilling moment. In the first two or so minutes, Winnipeg was down 2-0. It just seemed like the the defense and some of the uh, you know reads that Hellebuck is usually accustomed to making were just very late on on these plays and sequences where Toronto took advantage of some really dumb stuff. I'm not gonna get super mad at Hellebuck because I feel like he's owed the right to have at least like ten stinker games this year, considering how bad this Jets defense has been and occasionally how bad the forward performance has been as well. You know, I I'm not gonna harsh on him too much. On this night, though, he probably is going to be upset with how he played. Thankfully, despite giving up two goals in about uh, two minutes or so, Winnipeg ended up responding very quickly. First was Mark Shifley scoring a a bit of a greasier goal. I think he stripped Justin Hall in front of the net, and, you know, Hall just did a really poor job of clearing the crease and actually tying up Shifley's stick. Shifley takes advantage and scores very quickly to to make it uh, 2-1. 
and then Andrew Kopp around seven or eight minutes later ties the game off of a really horrible cross-slot feed from, I don't know if it was Morgan Riley or his partner, but either way, just a really dumb, dumb sequence. It gets turned over right to Andrew Kopp and Mason Appleton, and they combine to shovel the puck home. So, you know, Winnipeg, after the rough start, sort of uh, collected itself. They were at least playing relatively evenly, it felt like. They were, you know, both teams were kind of skating back and forth, trying to create rush chances, not a whole lot going on, but on a couple of chaotic sequences, both teams scored. Unfortunately, um, you know, right after Cop scores, the Jets take a penalty, but the the call was actually delayed. And, you know, Toronto's got an extra man on the ice, goalie pulled, and they're cycling around Winnipeg's zone. And I think Joe Thornton wrists one from the point, subtly deflects off of Jason Spezza, who was just sitting right in front of, uh, you know, Connor Hellebuck, basically untouched. Not exactly a great sign from the Jets' defensive unit. They were all pressed higher, you know, occupying guys in the higher slot area, leaving Spezza completely alone, and, and Spezza just sort of subtly deflects it past Hellebuck, and that is it for Hellebuck's night. Laurent Brassois came in and had to make a couple of early saves. I wouldn't say anything was too crazy as far as he's concerned, but, you know, the Jets, they were a little bit loose defensively, and I feel like this was probably both on Hellebuck and, and Winnipeg's defense. There were some really silly plays that the Jets' blue line made. I felt like some of the gapping and stuff that they had was just really odd. Sometimes they would activate a little prematurely before they had good control of the puck. Whatever, it is what it is. I was kind of wondering if this was going to be one of those games where, you know, both teams scored like seven goals or something crazy. But as it turned out, things kind of started to stabilize after those, uh, you know, opening 10 or 11 minutes. I think both teams actually struggled to create for a bit because there were periods where it seemed like they had to settle for some perimeter offense, which is not exactly what either of these teams prefer. You know, Winnipeg definitely has lived with this in the past, but Toronto is very much driven by attacking the low slot area. It was kind of tough for them to get past the Jets, though, at times until some of the weaker defensive pairings were on the ice. Um, As far as some of the newcomers are concerned, you know, Jordy Ben entered the lineup. His first period was pretty atrocious. I know that Ben is definitely still shaking off the rust of joining a new team, but if this is how he's going to play for the Jets, he basically should not get into the lineup except to replace somebody like, I don't know, Tucker Pullman maybe? He's just really slow. He doesn't always win physical battles. He reminds me a lot of Joe Morrow. That's probably who I would I would most you know favorably compare him to, which I use the term favorably very loosely. It, it wasn't a great game from him. That first period was just a nightmare. I don't know if it was in the first or second period, but he actually was uh, bringing the puck around behind his own net and ended up tripping and falling and creating a turnover, which is a pretty good summation of how his night went. You know, he'll probably be like an okay third pairing guy, but I I just don't expect a whole lot from him. And if this is the kind of performance that he's going to have, you know, night in and night out, he's going to have to play like nine minutes at most. And if that's the case, you might as well just play one of the kids instead because you know what you're getting with Ben, but the the kids like Heinola and Stanley and some of these other prospects, they actually could use and benefit uh, from more of this ice time. This game definitely had quite a few twists and turns, especially as the periods wore on, and we'll talk a little bit more about periods 2 and 3 in just a moment. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear about 1010 by BlueNile.com. 1010 is a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 features an exclusive set of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagements, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 
This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and they're fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. I checked out the 1010 collection myself, and I'm blown away by the beautiful, simple ring from Lola Fenhurst. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this one out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're recapping Winnipeg versus Toronto in a big battle for the first place spot. Not going to be decided in this game, but essentially long term, yes, it probably will give you a pretty good indication of which team is going to make it out on top in these last 10 or so games. Before we dive into the remaining periods of a 3-2 Toronto lead as it stands, I wanted to check in about a really cool podcast series I think you're going to love, and it's for all of you NFL fans. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May 1st. I hope to see some of you awesome Ravens fans out there, but, you know, no matter what team you support, I also will hope to see you there too. And now we move back to the world of hockey, in which case we're talking about uh, period two for Winnipeg versus Toronto, which... Yeah, bit of an interesting one. I felt like this was a surprisingly low event period in some ways. It was one of those situations where both teams were doing a lot of skating back and forth, trying to create rush offense, looking for space, and not really finding a whole lot. Oftentimes, it would come down to like several stretches of really sustained skating uh, situations with very limited interruption and certainly very few pauses. And then there would be like one or two really good shifts where one of these teams would create a dangerous chance down low that didn't score, and then they would kind of go back to skating end-to-end for a while. It had a very odd pace to it where it was both very fast and also somehow kind of slow, and I don't really know how to explain it, but it definitely felt more like both teams were kind of prodding at each other, trying to find that extra gap. Toronto ended up being the one to do it first in this case. They actually got a very good break on a bit of a busted play from Derek Forbord at his own blue line. It ended up creating a two-on-one with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews that, you know, Neil Pionk, I think, was trying to cover, and it didn't really work out for him. So, unfortunately, you know, Marner basically had a very easy time to just one-time it over, uh, you know, Laurent Brassois' shoulder, who would come in relief for Hellebuck. It's one of those goals where I'm like, yeah, I don't know that there's a whole lot that you can do about it once Forbort already commits at his own blue line. That was the mistake, and I think Pionk didn't really have much of a choice. Maybe Neil doesn't quite overcommit towards the left side as much, but it doesn't really matter in my opinion. Once Derek kind of made the mistake, it was more or less game, set, and match, especially when you have Matthews and Marner together. Despite now having a two-goal deficit, Winnipeg was definitely still interested in trying to find a way back into this game. Again, it was difficult to find the exact kind of routes that they were hoping for. Toronto doesn't really defend pressure all that well, but sometimes the Jets' rushes do get marked out a little bit too easily just because it feels like Winnipeg has very similar patterns, and once an opposing defensive structure figures out how the Jets play, hint, hint, a team like Edmonton, you know, I I think it's actually a lot easier to shut down Winnipeg's rush offense. In this case, it wasn't really happening the same way that it happened against Edmonton. The only thing is, is that once the Jets would get a rush opportunity, they would then concede something potentially dangerous back up the ice because they were a little bit overcommitted or too deep inside the offensive zone. Thankfully, Toronto kind of threw them a little bit of a lifeline when they left Kyle Connor alone right in front of Jack Campbell. For all of Kyle Connor's defensive issues, he's certainly somebody who knows what to do once he's in front of the opposing goalie, and in this case, he just simply one-timed it right over Campbell's shoulder. 
got the Jets back within a goal, and things were looking okay. I would say that, like, this period was a strange one just because Winnipeg was then down, you know, Adam Lowry from taking an elbow to the face from Alex Galchenyuk. And it's not like the Jets had been bad, you know, rotating some of their forwards up the lineup, but it certainly wasn't an ideal situation, and, and so I was kind of like a little bit hit or miss. It just felt like Toronto and, you know, Winnipeg weren't exactly playing the strongest of games. I'd say both teams were doing enough that was what I would consider sufficient, but not exactly stellar, and it was certainly one of those games where there were a number of sloppy defensive mistakes from both teams, really. But it felt like Jack Campbell was just making, you know, one or two extra saves here and there to keep Toronto in the lead, and it was a little bit frustrating because the Jets defensively I would say probably gave up some really dumb and, and stupidly dangerous chances. And Hellebuck's opening, you know, 11-minute fiasco kind of put the Jets in a bit of a hole. But again, I, I don't think that you can really get mad at Connor for that. I know he'll personally be pissed at himself, but I'm sure it's it's hard to really blame a guy who's been carrying the Jets for a couple of seasons now. He has had a couple of rougher outings over the past couple of weeks, and I do wonder if he'll be ready come postseason time, because he's basically going to have to be perfect against Edmonton if that is the team the Jets face. And it's not because the Oilers are good, it's because Winnipeg is constantly terrified to overcommit and be aggressive against what, in my mind, is basically two-thirds of an AHL lineup. Once you strip out, like, the first and, and second-line players, the, the Oilers are pretty weak, generally speaking, and their defense is not exactly shut down. Factor in very hit-or-miss goaltending, especially in Mike Smith, who you can actually pressure pretty easily, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the Jets have not really felt like they can get aggressive against that team. I think one Oilers fan brought up that they are, are a fast team and, and certainly one that can counter quickly, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, that might be true, but, at, you know, it's Edmonton matching some really struggling depth players against Winnipeg's top-end guys who, if they're allowed to be aggressive, should win all of their matchups pretty handily. So it, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I'd argue this game was a lot more open than Winnipeg's last game against the Oilers, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on as far as you know, maybe teams making adjustments as they head into the postseason. Winnipeg is going to have to do a lot to back up Connor Hellebuck because he might not be able to backstop the Jets in every single game. Hellebuck's backup, Laurent Brassois, was actually pretty okay, and even, you know, he had one goal against, I didn't think it was really his fault. I thought he was doing sufficiently against some dangerous shooters and guys like Matthews and certainly Marner and some of the others. In just a moment, we'll see how the Jets finish this one out, because it was actually not that bad of an effort despite the scoreline. Before we talk about that, though, I did want to shout out tonight's title sponsors at rockauto.com. When it comes to buying auto parts, it's really hard to know the places that give you the best deals and the best selections. If you go out, you know, and go to a brick-and-mortar retail store, you might be standing in line for a while, they might not have what you need in stock, or even if they have everything that you need, it might actually be overpriced. If you want to save time and money, look no further than rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle and set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. Why shop anywhere else when RockAuto.com has the best selection and pricing in the industry? When you go to rockauto.com to place your order, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com right now. 
For those of you who have been listening to my podcast as of late, by now you've probably heard me talk about BetOnline.ag at least once or twice. If you haven't, BetOnline is the safest, easiest, and most convenient way to bet on all your favorite sports action. They're your number one spot for football, NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other fabulous sports. Not a sports fan? No problem. BetOnline has your back with awards, TV show, and reality TV coverage, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think is going getting voted off your favorite reality TV show. BetOnline is also your number one source for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets every single time. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. To register for your free account, go to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device, and when you register, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus when you register at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get in on the action today. Welcome back to these closing thoughts on our Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast recap of Winnipeg versus Toronto, battling each other for essentially what looks to be first place in the division. After a bit of a rock'em sock'em first two periods where there were quite a few goals, but maybe not quite as many, you know, high level, high danger events as you might expect, you could tell both teams were pushing pretty hard for that next goal. I think it was going to be very crucial to figure out which team was actually going to be able to at least steal a point here. Although overall, I would say if you asked me to choose a winner between these two teams, I do think Toronto probably held the edge overall. It wasn't like the Jets played a poor game, but certainly, you know, Hellebuck's performance along with some of the chances the Jets were giving up and the fourth line for Toronto really doing great work. I think it's fair to say Toronto was probably the most deserving team, and it was probably by enough of a margin to say it's significant. But by the same token, the Jets were definitely pushing very hard in these last 20 minutes. They actually got pretty close. Campbell had to make some really crazy saves. I think his best one on the night was definitely the one where, you know, Nikolai Ehlers sort of looped a pass over the neutral zone while being physically manhandled and found Pierre-Luc Dubois cutting inside, and Dubois almost scored a beautiful goal. Unfortunately, Jack Campbell was basically in his fake Vezina mode and really hard to beat on these uh, really great chances. And then once the Jets actually pulled uh, Laurent Brassois for the extra player, They weren't able to close the gap and end up scoring on Campbell despite giving some really good shot attempts in pretty dangerous areas and I felt like some good passing sequences they set up as well. It ended up being Toronto though that scored an empty net goal to make it 5-3 so uh, the Jets did not come out on top on this one. Toronto will probably remain in first place in the division unless something crazy happens in the remainder of their schedule. And I would say that that's a pretty fair result. If you told me that the Jets were going to be second in the division starting this season, I would have taken it easily. I think the Jets are are probably the second or third best team in the North. It's not like it's saying a whole lot, but I think we all know that there's like a couple of different versions of the Jets. And depending on which version you get, they might be really fun and entertaining and at times very good depending on who they're playing. We've also seen them be as bad as they were last season, although that form of the Jets has been a lot rarer in comparison. So moving ahead to the postseason picture, I I do hope that the Jets are able to make a few adjustments. I will say that next game, they basically need to have Vili Heinola in the lineup as soon as possible. And it's likely that we may see Janssen Harkins, maybe uh, David Gustafson or Christian Veselainen insertion. Perot took a bit of a headshot too and had to go down the tunnel for a couple of minutes before he ended up coming back. Adam Lowry may be sidelined for some stretch of time if he does have a concussion. And it sounds like Wheeler was ailing on the bench at one point during the game. I thought Blake's return was fine enough. I didn't think he did all that poorly, but it didn't seem like he was 100% either. So if he needs some rest and time off, I, I don't think it's a bad idea to bench him for a couple of games. 
they'll certainly fight to get that ice time, but I think it's also important that the captain heals up because he's been playing throughout most of the year with an injury. If you're going to be getting top line minutes, you really can't afford to be in any sort of, uh, you know, poor physical health. The Jets are going to want to have their captain at full strength because it's probably going to be a very taxing series against the Oilers who are going to force them to, to try and stretch the play really rapidly, create a lot of fast counters, and try and figure out a way through their neutral zone trap. I actually trust the Jets against a team like Toronto a lot more than I do the Oilers because I feel like Toronto doesn't really bunker down. They're definitely a team that also likes to stretch the play, which gives the Jets a lot more countering opportunities like we saw tonight. But unfortunately, that's probably not the team they'll face in the postseason, so we all have to get prepared for Dave Tippett hockey. I'd be curious to know how you felt on this game. I think there were some mixed opinions. I'll say this, I thought the Jets were okay, not particularly great, but not terrible either. Same for the Leafs, I think they were okay, not great. But it was a fairly hard-fought game between both teams, despite the occasionally poor play. Overall, eh, I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it. Just a frustrating loss. Would have liked Talibuck to make a few more saves, but it is what it is. Let me know your thoughts on the game at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. That is going to wrap up our show tonight. Before you log off, we have even more outstanding NFL draft coverage with our Ultimate Mock Draft. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Lockdown and Odyssey is happening right now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts are making picks and trades for their respective teams. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. As always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!